God, thank you for listening to us when we take a moment and stop and pray as we've done throughout this service so far. God, I lift up to you anyone who is here who is distracted, anyone who is here who has not been engaged in these prayers lately. Lift up to you each person that's here that is engaged as well. And I ask that you would speak to us, even to me, through your word this morning in such a way that we can do better in order to please you. May you bless this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to show you this next slide. We're going through a series, Authentic Living Today. Look at this, 1 Peter 1, chapter and it's 2 Peter. It's 2 Peter 1, 16, 2 to 19. Stay with me. I'm, and then look at the next thing. Eschatology part 1 and the next one. Don't get too caught up in end time stuff. If you're tracking with what we've been doing, this message is next week. This is not today. Just wanted to give you a heads up. You're going through, some of you are going through Revelation. And uh, you know uh, you're learning eschatology. But next week, don't get too caught up in end-time stuff. We'll be in an interesting and welcome balance to all of it, and I think you'll like what the Lord's going to teach us. And I hope you don't mind me asking you to please pray for me as I'm trying to prepare. Because if you don't know this, the leadership, your leadership, and I have met and we've discussed things and we're going to try to tackle a new series after this one. This one ends in three more weeks, three more messages after this. We're going to try a new one. And I'm working on developing that. I would like to announce something to you in the next couple of weeks. So pray for me because I want to pray that, I would like you to pray that God guides that process and that he guides us all through that new series that will be coming up. And I need to give you a heads up. The, the list is in the lobby, but if you look, we're tackling this subject twice. This is one that's coming up next week is a touchy subject, and we're going to hit it two times, and we've got another one. The, after today, the next three messages are heavy messages, and we may hear some things, we may learn some things that might be different. And uh, the main thing we want to do is please the Lord. So stay with me. And uh, now, can you go to the next one there, uh, JC? Authentic Living Today. This is today. And hopefully I got it. Second Peter. I still put First Peter. Sorry about that. Second Peter, chapter 1, verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 15. I want you to know last week someone uh, caught an error on the slide. So you just saw two. Hopefully the rest of the morning won't be like that. But... Pay careful attention and follow along in your Bibles because someone caught an error last week. I gave a, a wrong chapter, so you might want to double check because uh, definitely I will demonstrate I'm a flawed person. So the next one, uh, Call to Uniqueness, Part 4, and the title is The Importance of Virtue. So let's go ahead and jump into the text. Uh, hold on, I'll give you a quote first. <laughs> Whoever you are matters far more than whose, I'm sorry, whosever you are matters far more than whoever you are. 
I said that last week. I wanted to say it again because it fits here. Now let's jump into the text. And I got it again. Look at this. It's 2 Peter. Look in your Bibles. This is actually 2 Peter up on the screen behind me. I just typed it wrong. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. And if you'll look at this, I'm going to change it as we go. It says to his own glory, but it could be translated by his own glory and excellence. Uh, it, it, it could say virtue by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now, if you let's go ahead and go back to the original ESV translation. You'll see those words go away. They could have been by, and it could have been virtue. Called us to his own glory, or by his own glory, and excellence, or virtue. The word excellence is going to come up again. When it comes to virtue, you know that having excellent qualities, that's a very good thing. I'm reminded of different people historically, one from uh, distant history and one from recent history. The one from distant history that I'm reminded of, I'll tell you about, and you, others will come to your minds. I'm reminded of Alexander Campbell. Raise your hand high if you know who that is when I say his name. There's a few. So it, he's worth looking at as a historical figure. There's a movie that was made about him that was well done, and it's called Wrestling with God. But Alexander Campbell, I'm, I don't have time to give you the story, and someday maybe I will be able to give you more of it, but Alexander Campbell, everything he did was excellent. It seemed like just... He preached with excellence. He wrote with excellence. He was a publisher with excellence. He was uh, a farmer with excellence. He was a public debater with excellence. Everything he did, he ran a business with excellence. It was all done because he strived to please the Lord. And everything he wanted to do, he wanted to please the Lord. So it was all done with excellence. I'm reminded in a recent history... My two daughters that are here got to be in a choir class with a man by the name of Terry Shaw. Terry Shaw, I don't know him. I mean, I've met him, talked to him, but I don't know him. But Terry Shaw is the choir director. He was the weightlifting coach. He helped the football team. Then a, a local Christian school, because Terry Shaw does everything with excellence because he wants to please the Lord. He began coaching a local Christian school, their football team. And then a, another school asked him if he would be their football coach, as he's doing these choirs, and you got to understand, they meet in uh, wherever they meet, whatever venue, it's always standing room only. There's people in the hallway that can't get seats. There's people lined up on the sides that can't get in their seats. And it doesn't matter if it's a high school choir or if he's doing a community choir, which he ran that for years with excellence. It's, they pack the house because it's done. You never know what to expect except excellence. And meanwhile, he's got a bunch of kids and he's a wife and he flies an airplane recreationally he runs a um, uh, some sort of a construction business on the side he's co he's doing the choir thing he's doing the weightlifting coaching he's coaching a football team at another school 
30 minutes away. They're 30 minutes away in a drive from each other. And the first year he took that school, they had their first championship game in years. And he continued as he stayed the coach there every year, championship. Then the other big school in the town where he is the choir director, the competitive school across town, made him their head football coach just recently because he does everything with excellence. Those kinds of people, are you, are you thinking of people that you know like that? They're Christian and just everything they do, they do with excellence because they want to please the Lord. Be that kind of person. That's what we're called to do. And these kind of people that come to mind, we know people like this because we know Christian people who live it right in front of us. And this brings glory to God. By God's glory and to God's glory, excellence. He granted us these things his precious and great promises he attaches to our future so that through them we, and he's saying to us, you, may become partakers of the divine nature. We get to be more like God because he is excellent. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. That's what we're supposed to do is we have these sinful desires and we escape the corruption of the world by hanging on, latching on to those promises of God and being more like Him. Do everything with excellence like He does because it pleases our Father. This reminds me of Romans chapter 12, verse, verse 2. Look at this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I referred to this last week that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Yet we live in a world where more and more churches are becoming more of a reflection of the world than a light in it. And we're going to see a part of Peter that's very interesting that we haven't really gotten to see yet as we're looking at this. Look at this next section, and I got the reference right. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Let's take this piece by piece. For this very reason, because God gives us these promises. He wants us to do everything with excellence like He is. This brings glory to Him. And it comes from His glory. Make every effort, so give, give what you've got in every way to supplement your faith. And that's a cool way to word that. Because your faith has to be demonstrated, and this is a way you supplement your faith. This is a way you undergird your faith. And it says with virtue. But let's go ahead and put those words in there. Excellence. And there's another virtue. with And excellence. With knowledge. That's how you do this. Huh. We'll get to that more in a minute. And knowledge with self-control. It's one of those things I find it very interesting. 
Sometimes I say things that might bother you because you might have a background in this, and I, I don't intend to purposely bother you, but if I am going to say something that I think pleases the Father, then it's okay if it bothers you. Um, it, it should bother you to the point where you check scripture, scripture for yourself and see what God wants you to do and do that, whatever the preacher says, where, who, wherever the preacher is, whether he's on TV or standing on the stage in front of you now. So the Father um, has some of his people, and I think they're genuinely well-intentioned, just misinformed people sometimes that actually, when they talk about the Holy Spirit, maybe you've seen this, I did. When I was in high school, I participated every single Monday night in a special program at a very charismatic church. I loved it. But there were things that happened there that may not have been for the Father's pleasure. And maybe you know, you've seen things like this. I'll, I'll, I'll paint the picture. Where you've seen someone, the way they tell you, they tell you to do this. What you have to do in order, if you're going to get the Holy Spirit expressed in you, you have to just let go and have no control. Have you heard this? Yep, my Bible and your Bible says a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, is self-control. But there are people in large groups that teach that if you're going to exemplify the Holy Spirit, you just got to lose control. What about self-control as a fruit of the Spirit? And what you do is you see people that they, they think that the spiritual advancement is to lose all control in front of everybody and like they end up wallowing on the floor and you know drooling and stuff like that. And, and that's this, this is the Holy Spirit, supposedly, I was at this place, and there was a, we had to call an ambulance. because Somebody got the Holy Spirit a little too hard, apparently. Broke a limb. Um, and this particular one's all high school students that I was at. They would uh, run around the building. It, it would just get pumped up. People would get, get so excited, and the enthusiasm was in the air, and they would run around the building, and there was a crash, and people tripped over each other, and somebody broke their arm. Ambulance was called. Um... Just so you're aware, it's true, a fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And if you want to look at when somebody falls down in a church on the floor and they wallow around convulsing and things like that, and maybe they're not even drooling, but if they're doing that in front of you, check the Bible, see if this happened in the New Testament, what was going on. Did it happen in the New Testament? Is that what the Christians did? And if it did happen in the New Testament, what was happening? Look it up. Was it the Holy Spirit doing that? Check for yourselves. But I would suggest to you that God happens to be right. We're supposed to utilize self-control, even in our text today, as Peter, an apostle, now an elder, and an inspired writer, is telling us to utilize self-control as we undergird our faith, we supplement our faith with things like this. And look at this self-control with steadfastness. We're supposed to be very tenacious with our self-control. How about that? It's not just self-control as a fruit of the Spirit. We are supposed to very tenaciously, with steadfastness, have self-control. You have to work at it. It's not something that just happens. 
You have to try and try to hang on to that self-control and let the Holy Spirit guide you in utilizing that self-control that God will help you express. And godliness with brotherly affection. You're supposed to be godly, meaning you're supposed to behave in a way that pleases the Lord. Brotherly affection. Uh, you, you know the city of brotherly love, that's the Greek word, philaos, brotherly affection. Love people like they are your family. Not in modern times. In modern times, it's not the same as it used to be. It used to, in most cultures, it meant something when you're a family member. You love them like family. You know that means something. In modern times, people are just cutting people off, this whole cancel culture thing. People, they just... It doesn't matter. They just cut you off. They don't want to talk to you anymore. doesn't matter if it's my mom or my dad or whoever. They cut you off. That's what people are doing. That's not, what this, that's not the kind of family he's talking about, not the kind of brotherly or sisterly love. There's a footnote here. Some of your Bibles will express. It, is, it happens to be written in Greek, and the Greek is very good at using uh, proper grammar. And when you're speaking generically about humans, the proper grammar in the Greek is to use masculine gender if it is not known what the gender is. So in other words, if we're talking to a group of people, they're not always all going to be men or women, but we know there's a group. And the proper grammar in the Greek is to use the masculine gender. This is not saying this is only for the brothers in Christianity. This is for siblings. That's what that means. That's why there's a footnote there in some of your translations. <clears throat> That's why I left it up behind me. Oh, and in the next text, you'll see a, the footnote. And then it finishes with love. This is a, the agape kind of love, the godly kind of love, the love that knows no bounds. This would be, if you want to, if you ever hear people, there was a, people talk about unconditional love. May I encourage you to use a different phrase? It's the phrase God uses in the Bible. Throughout Old and New Testament, you see this phrase, unfailing or steadfast love. This is the love that God has. He wants us to have for one another. Not just love at like family, but love in such a way that you don't give up on the other person. You love that other person in an unfailing, steadfast, tenacious love. That's what you do. Caps it all off. That's your priority. Loving others after you love God. Okay, continue in the text and you'll see that footnote come up. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and following. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, so you're supposed to grow in these, you get better at it. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you possess, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, supposed to grow in them, 
They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be effective and fruitful? And look at this, and this is particularly connected to in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If this is the wisdom of God, don't we want to have it in our heads? If this is the wisdom of God, it doesn't get any better than this. So we should be productive. We should be effective and learning more and more about our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted, meaning you're only seeing what's in front of you, you're not seeing the big picture. You're not seeing how your behaviors impact everybody else around you. How it's, it's got a long-lasting impact. It makes a difference when other people see you behave a certain way. It makes a difference. Let's just see how that plays out for somebody who attends Central Kitsap Christian Church on a Sunday morning. You have the appearance of somebody who wants to please the Lord. You're in church on a Sunday morning on a beautiful sunny day where you could be outside, where most of us would like to be. You're in church, worshiping the Lord, trying to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. And here you are. So you represent someone who's trying to please the Lord. Let's say you leave here and your behavior doesn't necessarily please the Lord in front of somebody who saw you or knew you were going to be here. They could look at that and think, what a hypocrite. Or maybe they're extra gracious and good for them, but they might think, well, it's okay because they do it and they're, and they're good. See how that plays out? But more importantly, what does the Father think? You sang some songs to bring glory and honor to me. You, you sang songs, you, you communed with me, and you made these statements about how you love me in prayers that were corporate prayers. Really? Or, good job. You attend Central Kitsap Christian church and somebody knows you attended or saw you attend and you're out there and you are representing the Lord. You are doing things with excellence and people are looking at you and thinking, I want to be like that. I, that's good. I see the Lord in those people. See how that plays out? And, and it has a ripple effect either way it goes. But you can see the benefits are huge in the favor of God's glory if we simply try to please Him ourselves. <clears throat> we got to think of the big picture, not just be nearsighted. Here's a, here's a way, in case you don't know what that looks like. It looks like this sometimes. I don't like the songs that we sang in church today. It just, you know, I'd rather the songs I like to sing, I want to worship with the songs I like. And, and sometimes people get more caught up in their preferences for worship than actually God's preferences. Why, why do churches split over music unless it's selfish people? They're not being selfless. They're being selfish. I want it my way. No, I want it my way. How about if people got together and said, can we just try to do it God's way? 
How about if I just back up and maybe I don't like the style of the thing you're doing. Maybe I don't even, I'm not, I, don't, I don't care for the particular song. But if God could be pleased with you worshiping him with that, I'll just step back and let that happen. I watched a man, went to a church. Um, this church was, had shrunk to probably smaller than this at one particular time, and they had a meeting to decide whether or not they should continue as a church. And it was a very difficult time, but they decided we've got we to let God handle this. And they had a series of meetings and decided to keep the doors open. And now that church is thriving. And we went to a, a celebration. We got to be like a fly on the wall. Stephanie was with me. We got to watch their celebration of, of so many years and how far they'd come. And they remember that day when we almost closed the doors. And there's an old man that stood up on the, was in the very front. And he, he, he didn't have any hair that I could see. And uh, he had trouble moving. But he, he wanted to address the crowd. They gave him a microphone. And he said, first thing he said was, I can't stand all this new music. Because <laughs> this is not the way I'm used to it. And he goes, but this is, this is what we need. I don't like it. It's what we need. And I thought, wow, what a humble man. I don't know that my attitude's always been like that. But that man, turns out, he was there from the inception of that church, and he had watched it go through all kinds of things. And he knew, he made it clear to everyone, he knew that the Lord was pleased with what they were doing, despite the fact that he couldn't stand the music. Hmm. Hope I have an attitude like that as I get older. I think God allowed me to see that, so maybe I might. And this idea, look at this, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins, a person that's nearsighted forgets about other people. Too many times we're so concerned about what we want and what we like. In fact, a lot of times when, they, when people talk about attending church, oftentimes it's like, I, I, I didn't really get anything, so I don't know if I'm going to go. Church isn't about going and getting, it's about going and giving. God wants you to be involved because other people need you to be involved. That's the way God operates. He doesn't, he's just not up there pulling puppet strings. He's wanting people to love one another. And there are people right here in this room that you know who need to be the recipients of that. It's people that need you to love them. You don't attend a church to be loved i mean people get so i don't know if you've heard this people get upset they get their feelings hurt because they're supposed to love me you got it backwards you're supposed to love them quit focusing on trying to get everybody to love you focus on loving them that's how you fix it you can't make them do things you can fix you love them like jesus did it And that's what being nearsighted is. You've got to remember, your sins have been forgiven. Don't be judging other people. Your sins were forgiven. Theirs can be forgiven. Therefore, brothers, there's, anytime there's a therefore, ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? Well, he just told us a bunch of stuff. This is the conclusion of that. 
Therefore, brothers, there's that footnote I was telling you about. Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Now that's important. People take this and they take it different directions. The main thing you need to see this here is this. Be all the more diligent. There's that tenacity again. To confirm your calling and election. We're supposed to do something to solidify, to validate, to verify our calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, now anytime you see this in any type of writing, there is something connected with an if. You can't just throw an if there without having some, something connected to it. If this, then that. That's the way it works, right? You don't just throw if there. It's got to have a then. So there's an if. Let's look at this and understand it that way. If you practice these qualities, anytime you see that, ask the question. What if you don't? If you do this, what if you don't? Does that make sense? If you clean your room, we'll let you watch that program you want to watch, even though we've had you off your screens for a while. If you clean your room by this time, then you can do that. But what if they don't? Well, then you can't. Isn't that presumed? <laughs> if you clean it, you get to do this. Do you have to say the other? If you don't, you won't. I hope you're tracking with me. This is when we get into some of the heavy stuff that's coming up in the next few sermons. If you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So what if you don't? It's not rocket science. God's pretty clear here, don't you think? I don't want to fall. I've seen it on TV when a Christian falls, embarrasses Christianity, it embarrasses our Father. Verse 11, For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And sometimes this might be confusing to you, but we'll talk about this eschatology thing later. But understand... When Jesus was enthroned at the right hand of God, he was made king of kings and lord of lords, right? And if you serve him and you live for him, he's your lord, you're in the kingdom. However, when he's talking this way, and this type of eschatological talk, he's talking about when we all enter into that final place, and he is ruling, and the devil has no ability to distract us anymore. That's what he's talking about. And we long for that. Continuing with verse 12. Therefore, again, what's the therefore, therefore? It's all based on what he just said. I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. You already know this. And talk, I'm preaching to the choir, Peter's saying. But look what he says, and, and I, I hope you catch this, because he's, he's going to get a little bit more personal. My intention, his purpose, is to always remind us of these qualities. You already know them. I'm just trying to remind you. And he's, he's going to give us more. Look at this. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, 
to stir you up by way of reminder. I love that. As long as I'm in this body to stir you up as a reminder. I'm going to show you another way that you can translate, and actually a literal translation of body. It's tent. Look at this. It takes us back. Remember when I talked to you about the temple and when the curtain was torn in two because the Holy of Holies, that was where the glory of God and the power of God resided. The curtain was torn in two at Jesus' death and we all have access to the power and glory of God. We can do this. Well, before the temple, and the body is the temple in the New Testament. We're designed to host the power and glory of God. But before this, it was a tent that moved around. Very temporary. Understand Peter is saying, I'm not going to be here much longer. Wow, that just took a turn. Did it for you? Did that just, did that just take a turn for you? Peter's saying, I'm not going to be around a lot longer. I need to get you to do some things. That, that changes things. Peter's not going to be around much longer. And God is compelling him to write to the people that ultimately is inspired for us. This, there's a, a sense here of urgency and very, very much a personal touch. Do you feel that? And he says, as long as I'm here, I want to stir you up. Use that visual. I want to to stir you up. I don't want you to be settled. I don't want you to be comfortable. Trying to stir you up. Get you more active. We need that. We need people like Peter to come in and say, I'm trying to stir you up. You need to get more active for your own sake. I don't have much time left. By way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my tent, we'll change that body to tent again, will be soon. Oh, he means it. He knows his time is limited. Imagine what that feels like. The apostle, now elder, he knows he's about to die. Listen to his words. There's an urgency. As our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. So Christ has made clear to Peter, I'm about to call you home. I need you to write this. My people need to hear this. We need to hear this. And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. It's just like like I was doing a minute ago when I said a father, a Christian father, there's nothing, in my mind there is nothing that could make a a Christian father more happy than to know that his kids are going to meet him in heaven. Wow! It doesn't get better than that. How much must that feel like that to our father in heaven? And how Peter must feel, I want to do this. I've got to, I've got to pull you in. That's what he's trying to do. I want to leave you with things so that you will never forget. So that when I'm gone, I get to see you again. When we enter into that eternal place where the devil can't distract us anymore. I, I want you to be focused on these things. Do you feel that from Peter? It feels like he's like a close family member just trying to say, hey, Come here, i got some things I need to tell you before I, don't, before I can't tell you anymore. That's what he's doing. Do you feel that? God is trying to move us by his word this morning. Despite the preacher's errors, 
kept doing that. Thank you for those of you who are praying. Like, oh, help him get on track. Help him get on track. Some of you are doing that. I know it. Okay. Called to uniqueness. Part four, the importance of virtue. Five things. I'm wrapping it up right now. I got five things, then I got a short story. Thank God for his gracious providence and sovereignty. What are those? What's that? Providence. He provides. That's what providence is. He provides in a miraculous way on a regular basis. God provides. You have what you have because God provided it. If you think anything else of that, be careful. He might take it away. God provides. And he's sovereign, which means he can do what he wants, when he wants, to whoever he wants, however he wants. He's God, and he's gracious in the way he takes care of us. He's given us what it takes to succeed, and Peter is telling us, I'm reminding you, you need to supplement your faith. He's given us all the tools we need. Second, keep motivated and learning. Stay at task. Don't settle. Don't settle down. Keep active and keep learning. Do you know what a disciple is? It's a learner. That's what the word means. Christians, we're supposed to constantly be learning. You know, like Jesus said, be like the children. It doesn't mean we're supposed to constantly run around and throw things and break things. That's not what he's talking about. Children are always learning. Have you noticed? What's that mean? What's that? What does that do? How do you say that? They're always doing stuff like that. And then we become adults and it's like, eh, I already know. I knew that. I knew that. We act like we know everything. Christians, we don't know anything. We're constantly having to learn. The more I learn, the more I learn. I don't know anything. I still got to learn a lot. Third, be steadfast in your faith. The reason why we have to keep being told this is because the devil is going to come at us when we have a genuine faith. He is going to try to shut us down. And if you don't feel that going on in your life sometimes... Well, the devil's probably already got you then. If you're a threat to him, he's going to try to take you out. And we've already talked about that, but be steadfast in your faith. Fourth, love others primarily. Love God first and make it a primary thing for you to love others above yourselves. Fifth, motivate others like Peter. He's trying to stir people up. I want to be like that. I want to stir people up. I want to be stirred and I want to stir people and leave. Uh, not and. There's another error. See how I am today? Let me say it right. Motivate others and leave. Oh, it is right. Never mind. Leave an eternally rewarding legacy. You See, you know what? I need you. That's so good. You guys are good. Motivate others and leave an eternally rewarding legacy. Boom! I finally got it right. You guys had it already. That's what you want to do. Motivate others, leave an eternally rewarding legacy. Because what better day could you have when you arrive in heaven and the people you love are there with you? That's what Peter's trying to do. Okay, I want to tell you this short story real quickly. Uh, this particular story is about Martin Luther. I'm going to talk to you more about him as time goes on. I've already talked a little bit about him, uh, but I want to talk to you about Martin Luther. And some of you are thinking the wrong thing. When I say Martin Luther, you're thinking the wrong thing. I'm talking about a guy, here's his lifespan up behind me. See that? November 10th, 1483. 
to February 18, 1546. Wait a minute. I thought when they marched on the bridge that was... Well, I'm not talking about that guy. That guy was named after Martin Luther. Martin Luther King Jr., I don't know if you know this, but his, neither his dad nor him were named Martin Luther King at birth. Neither one of them. I'll tell you more later. But they were both named later in life after Martin Luther. This guy. Let's look at his picture. You'll see it up behind me. That's the guy I'm talking about. I'll tell you more about him later because this is a guy that I, I look forward to spending an eternity with people like him. Martin Luther was asked the question one day, if you knew you were going to die tomorrow, what would you do today? You know what his answer was? I think I'll plant apple trees. That was his answer. All that means is he's just going to keep doing what he was already planning to do. If he finds out he's going to die tomorrow, he doesn't have to rush around and fix anything because he lives today like he could die any moment. I want to live like that. Don't you? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for giving us examples that we can look at and emulate as we see people who've come before us who have lived in such a way that pleases you. God, help us to follow Christ as they follow Christ. Help us to have an active faith that demonstrates a life that is pleasing to you. Help us to be tenacious in our faith. Thank you for your providence and your sovereignty. Thank you for giving us the tools that we need to succeed. And God help us. In Jesus' name, amen.